I'm Asmita and I'm Shruti Shri and welcome to Climactic Conversations. Climate change is complex. This podcast simplifies the science policy interface of climate change. It discusses how climate change impacts us and addresses the fundamental questions that are relevant to people's lives, businesses, governments and other stakeholders. Each episode aims to communicate the science of climate change and will focus on topics relevant to the 6th assessment cycle of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change or IPCC. The podcast is in close collaboration with the Global Center for Environment and Energy and the Stepwell Radio at Ahmedabad University. Listen on Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Beads of sweat tickle the corner of her eyes as she rubs the sleep off of them. The blistering sun never fails to wake her up, just in time to join the ladies on their morning walk. Picking up a pail, Vineva rushes to wake her oldest daughter, and they both take off on their water run. Meanwhile, seven thousand kilometers away in Central Park Tower, New York, it's still two a.m. Jillian had gotten up to turn up her thermostat. While the air conditioning is a lifesaver in the blistering heat of summer, the nights can still get a little chilly. Mondays can be stressful, so she was determined to make the most of the next five hours of sleep before she had to get ready for work. Getting back into bed, she hoped that at least today, Mary, their house help, would be on time. Welcome to Climactic Conversations. Episode Five: Adapting to Climate Change. In today's episode, we look into the different ways in which climate change can impact the lives of people and how they adapt given their socio-economic backgrounds. Stay tuned as we take you along the journey of Gwineba and Jillian, two women navigating the woes of climate change in drastically different ways. The nearest watering hole had been about a mile away until it dried up in the drought of 1985. Guineva was around 4 at the time, but the desperation and helplessness of her community was hard to miss even for a child. Now they walk 5 miles to the borewell that the Malian government built following the drought. The 20 minutes that she gets to spend with her friends at the borewell is perhaps the only time for respite. She runs her hand across the damp soil the cracks forming a network of ridges similar to what she imagines a river would look like once the pails are filled the ladies prepare to head back to the village guineba lingers for a moment and takes a long look at her place of solace this would probably be the last time she's going to see it jillian liked to start her day with a light workout it helped her relax and take her mind away from the stress of work Only that today, New York traffic caused Mary to show up later than usual. It wasn't easy being a working mom of two. A thirty-minute delay meant that she had to skip her workout and get the kids ready for school instead. At least she could rely on James, her driver, to get her to work on time, 
He had a way with roads that just let you avoid the rush of the city. She couldn't imagine taking the bus or train to work on a day like this. No one in her family ever did. She didn't understand why anyone would choose to if they could afford the convenience of a car. The hustle and bustle of the village are enough to remind her of what lies ahead. Today is one of many long and difficult days and she's got to be prepared to survive all of them. Pushing her anxiety aside, she gets to work, packing only what is necessary. Food, water, some tools and a couple of clothes just in case. Her oldest daughter helps her put away their things while the little ones run around, excited for their new adventure, naive and unaware. The five to seven families living in this Malian village gather outside their homes. It's around 10 in the morning, a couple of hours before the sun will be at its peak. With one last look at their homes, they set forth on their journey in search of a better, more secure life. The corner bistro right across the street from her place of work was always a good place for a work meeting. They have the most unique menu in the city with produce and meat sourced from places as far as Japan. Their prosciutto and cheese sandwiches are to die for. There was no way one would not be in a good mood while eating here which is always helpful when you want to close deals. She was waiting for James to pick her up so she could go to the salon appointment at home. Her work day was done and the children were at daycare. The city was expecting a blackout due to the surge in energy use during the summer. But the condo had a full power backup. So she decided to celebrate the deal she had just closed with a little pampering and some wine. The journey to Burkina Faso was a long one. It cost them lives, both of man and cattle. But the hope for a better life kept their spirit alive as they crossed rivers, deserts and borders and overcame perhaps the worst obstacle of all, the heat. Turning up the air conditioning in her car, Gillian popped in her airpods to drown out the sound of the traffic. Even though the AC was on, Gillian was still perturbed by the lingering smell of the smog and pollution from the millions of cars that lined the road. Luckily, her windows were tinted, saving her from the sore sight of smoke in the air. The worst stretch of the highway was yet to come, and she would much rather listen to Mariah Carey than the loud honks of the vehicles. Gillian missed her life back in the suburbs of Seattle. Her childhood home was not much less of a mansion where she was the princess. She missed her dogs and the backyard where they would play for hours around the pool. The forest fires, terrible weather conditions and drought forced their family to make a call. Their new home in New York was better than their home in Seattle in every way. But she couldn't help but yearn for those days where her greatest worry was probably getting to school in time. Gweneba never knew a life where water hadn't been scarce. When the heat took their crops and cattle away, she held back her tears. Crying was for the privileged, and she couldn't afford to lose any more water than they already had. With the revenue from the land gone, her family couldn't move to better pastures, leaving the bow well their last hope. But as the well started sputtering and pumping out salty, murky water, they knew it wasn't long until they had to leave. This journey wasn't one they had the luxury to plan. Neither did they know what to expect in this new land. The Sahel is unforgiving and relentless. 
but so is the human spirit. Her feet familiarize the sand, the soil, the spikes and the stones as she moves forward towards hopefully a better future. percent of the world's population, North America is responsible for 25% of the total emissions of the most important greenhouse gas, carbon dioxide. Per person, North America emits over 13 times as much as Africa. In contrast, um, Africa has contributed among the least to greenhouse gas emissions, and yet key development sectors have already experienced widespread losses and damages attributable to anthropogenic climate change, including biodiversity losses, water shortages, uh, reduced food production, loss of lives, uh, as well as reduced economic growth. North American cities and settlements have been affected by increasing severity and frequency of climate-induced hazards and extreme events, which has contributed to cascading effects of infrastructure damage, loss of services, and economic activity. Uh, damage to heritage resources, safety concerns, and just disrupted livelihoods. However, in our story, our protagonist Jillian has had the privilege to shift from Seattle to New York um, as the climate worsens in her home, her old home state of Seattle. On the other hand, while Gwineba is also forced to move, she does not have the same luxury of a smooth transition and the assurance of safety and stability. Uh, of life and livelihood in the place that she'll be moving into simply because the region that she is from does not have uh, the same kind of access to resources and infrastructure as say North America which is where Jillian is from. Right and the statistics supporting the same are quite alarming so according to the IPCC AR6 Working Group 2 report um, by 2030 108 to 116 million people will be expected will be exposed to sea level rise in Africa, um, increasing to 190 to 245 million by 2060. And there will be so, so many vulnerable people leaving their homes and migrating. And like this disparity of how much people are affected by climate change does not just differ uh, from region to region. So even within North America, uh, the impacts are particularly apparent for indigenous people for whom uh, culture, identity, commerce, health, well-being, all of these are very closely connected to a resilient environment. Which is exactly why I believe the term stakeholder is a bit of a misnomer because it implies that everyone holds equal stakes in this battle and this um, the scourge of climate change. However, um, like we mentioned before, that's really not the case. Uh, I mean, look at how water is distributed amongst people of, you know, different socioeconomic backgrounds. Exactly. Like water being one of the most valuable resources is also under the most threat. Drought being rampant in developing countries, but also in uh, in regions like California, which has been in drought for more than a decade. Uh, but the difference is that while a country in Africa probably has... Um, lesser resources, 
people in North America have better access to resources or are able to buy and source these resources from other countries. In the case of Gweneba in our story, uh, her village has access to one bore well, which is within a five-mile radius, whereas uh, Jillian is able to go back home and source like fresh, safe drinking water quite easily. And I think herein lies the most important theme of the story presented before, which is, um, you know, privilege and how privilege can really change the way people uh, are affected by climate change. So, or, you know, how people adapt to climate change. So with affluence comes power, comes influence. Uh, The average American has a much higher income than a person from a developing country. Um, And with money comes power with regards to their decision-making capacity in their local governments, etc. And therefore, influence in deciding what happens in their local environment is quite a lot more. And, you know, whether it's building mega reservoirs to, um, uh, you know, to protect their water needs and to source water. Um, And, you know, this power and influence is not available to someone who is probably not as affluent as someone like Jillian. So, for example, a more local example would be uh, in Mumbai, Ward A, which is the southern region of Mumbai, uh, which has some of the most like elite and affluent people, is also the same area which does not face as much flooding, which does not face as much, like uh, so many water cuts or water shortages compared to other parts of Mumbai. Speaking of water and flooding... Um, it's not just one sector that gets affected by climate change, right? So recent extreme variability in rainfall and river discharge across even Africa uh, have had largely negative and multi-sector impacts across water-dependent sector. Water insecurity is directly related to food security. So agricultural productivity growth has been reduced by nearly 34% uh, due to climate change. And in the future, Uh, global warming will also negatively affect food systems in Africa by shortening growing seasons and increasing water stress. But this is not the case in just developing countries. So even if we we take the case of North America, heavy exploitation of limited water supplies and deteriorating freshwater management infrastructure have heightened water insecurity and heightened the risks of water security as well. So intensified droughts and earlier runoff from diminished snowpack will increase water scarcity during summer peak where water demand is usually higher, especially in regions with extensive irrigated agriculture, which will in turn lead to economic losses. It will lead to increased pressures on limited groundwater as a substitute for diminished surface water supplies. So now the million dollar question is, what can we do? Well, the latest IPCC AR6 Working Group 2 report on impacts, adaptation and vulnerability says that equitable, inclusive and participatory approaches that integrate climate impact projections into near-term and long-term decision-making will reduce future risks. Adaptation costs will rise rapidly with global warming. But increasing public and private finance flows by billions of dollars per year, increasing direct access to multilateral funds, strengthening project pipeline development, and shifting finance from readiness activities to project implementation would help 
realized transformative adaptation in um, in continents like Africa. Concessional finance will be required for adaptation in low-income settings. Integrating climate adaptation into social protection programs such as uh, cash transfers, public work programs, and healthcare access can increase resilience to climate change. Gender-sensitive and adaptation approaches reduce vulnerability of marginalized groups across multiple sectors including water, health, food systems and livelihood. Early warning systems based on target climate services can be effective for disaster risk reduction, social production programs as well as managing risks to health and food systems. The overwhelming apprehension and insecurity that Gweneba faces uh, because of the instability caused by climate change is much more than that of Jillian. Hence, it is important that climate policy and decision-making is more inclusive of those stakeholders whose voices are not equally represented on the table. enjoyed this episode of Climactic Conversations. It's a new format we're trying out and we hope that we were able to immerse you in the story of Gwineba and Jillian and underscore how climate change may impact us all but the degree and severity with which it impacts us is highly dependent on our privilege and access to resources. Thank you and see you next time. This is Asmita and Shruti Shri signing off. <laughs>